For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Hey folks, before we get into our segment, if you need a plan that empowers you, especially during these times that we're in right now, you need to come join our founder, Michael Stelzner, for a free live training called Becoming the Recognized Expert, Three Secrets to Accelerating Business Growth. Register at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash free class, that's socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash free class, sign up and come uh, listen and learn from our founder and CEO, Michael Stelzner. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Welcome to the show. I'm Jeff Z. And I'm Grace Duffy. And we are so excited to be joined today by Miracle Wanzo. We're going to be exploring what uh, Facebook's removal of ad reporting attribution and API support for Facebook and Instagram posts embeds means for marketers. And if you don't know who Miracle is, she is an e-commerce entrepreneur and a Facebook Blueprint certified ad specialist. And she is also the co-founder of Discovery Marketing, a Facebook marketing partner agency. Miracle, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. Glad to be here. So, Grace, let's break down this news of this attribution stuff, why it's important. Yeah, absolutely. You got it, Jeff. So late last month, Facebook announced that it's removing the 28-day attribution window for Facebook ads. Now, what is attribution? That's a really good question. And we're going to start off with that question in just a moment. But I want to let you know what the news is. It is effective. It was effective as of this past Monday, October 12th. Up until now, Facebook used a 20-day attribution window for ads by default. However, recent changes with browsers starting to block third-party cookies with platforms, especially on the mobile platforms, wanting to do more ad blocking, this attribution window is a lot less useful. And as Facebook explains in its announcement, using the digital privacy initiatives that multiple browsers are now implementing, they limit a business's ability to measure people's interactions across domains and across devices. And among these limitations is the ability for business to attribute a conversion or a sale events back to an ad unit for longer attribution windows. So as a result, Facebook has decided to retire this window and go to the next most extended period, which is seven day attributions. I believe they said it was automatic. We'll get into that in just a second. And then advertisers can also switch to a one day attribution window. So we'll also get into what that means. So for people who are brand new to social media marketing or social media ads, Miracle, can you give us like a one to two minute like overview of what is attribution and what is the big deal of going from 28 days to seven days and maybe even one? Sure. So attribution is basically associating an action with the ad. So it's basically the way that you connect the ad that you created with the action that the person took once they got to your website. The attribution window is the 
timeline for which you can measure or record or track or associate that action with that user. So one day is, you know, what it is. Seven days is typical and probably covers like the vast majority of advertisers. And then a 28 day attribution window is for companies that may have a longer purchase cycle or a longer conversion cycle for the type of product or service that they're selling. But one thing I do want to make clear, because a lot of people confuse attribution with optimization, because in mm. Facebook, at the ad set level, you can choose whether you want a one day or a seven day optimization window. And a lot of people believe that that's synonymous with attribution and they're not the same thing. So the attribution window shortening does not change how your ads are optimizing, it's more of a reporting feature to associate actions with the ads that the user would serve. Very good. Uh, that's yeah. a good distinction. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I learned something every day new. Always, always, <laughs> always on this show, I learned something new. So does it matter? You're saying that it's mostly because, you know, it's kind of a reporting feature for the average marketer, I guess. I mean, if you, you've seen it because you run an agency, does it really matter going from 28 to seven? I mean, is that going to like, is it throwing all this stuff and people's, you know, screwing up all these reporting stuff or is it most people, it doesn't really matter. I wouldn't say that okay. because like I got your questions and then right. I went and looked at the data. I said, Oh, well, let me just look and see what the results are for a lot of clients. And it varies. It really varies. There are things that are more impulse driven where the person can make the decision to convert whatever the conversion is. It can be a purchase. It can be a lead in a very short window. And in that case, they don't necessarily see a, sh- a big shift from seven to 28 days. You can look at this in your historic reporting. You can see, you can change your attribution window in your reporting and see what it is. So for some people, what you tend to see is um, some conversions come in the one day period. For most advertisers, most of them come within seven days. Mm-hmm. And then there are some that can, can occur between seven and eight. For some advertisers, they're a little bit impulse driven or maybe they're they're optimizing for an action that's like low hanging fruit. Right. And so you see most of their conversions and again, not just purchases, but leads and registrations within that seven day period. But then there are some that can have a significant number of conversions outside of seven days. So it can vary across the board. When I looked at the data, we were looking at about 20 percent. 20% shift between the seven and uh, 28 day window. So for each advertiser, it's more about understanding, you know, what your process right. is for marketing, how long it takes people to make that decision and understanding what the data looks like between the one, seven and 28 days. Gotcha. I can just see like, you know, attribution can get really complicated when you're running like multiple campaigns on multiple ad platforms. So how do you correctly like, and this is once again, super basic, but how do you correctly attribute a sale to an ad on Facebook? Are you saying within the context of dealing with the fact that yeah. you're advertising on Google or? Yeah. So, I mean, is it, is it a different, is it all coming through the Facebook pixel? This reporting, I, I'm assuming it does. And that that's how you can actually say, okay, that ad actually made a conversion to a sale. So the tricky part is if you're advertising on multiple platforms, they're all going to take credit for that sale uh, okay. because they tend to be unaware of what other ad. Well, not unaware, but, right. you know, if you're advertising on Facebook, you're going to receive Facebook data. Facebook does have its own tool and a lot of people don't use it, but they do have another tool for dealing with multi-touch attribution mm-hmm. and looking at the journey of a customer. All of this, like 
a lot of times people get news about Facebook and they get freaked out. And (laughs) the big deal is really focused on how much money you're spending on the platform, because sometimes people get excessively worried about technical details that probably don't really swing big doors at their level of spin. But then when you get into very large spin advertisers, then it comes down to, well, you know, there are other technical solutions to deal with these issues so that the ones that you're speaking about don't necessarily freak you out. And maybe those are more appropriate for the level of spin that you have on the platform or the level of complexity on your business. So if you're spending you know, $500 a month, a couple thousand dollars a month, it may not be worth it to you to go through all of that technical work to get something set up that tracks multi-touch attribution. That may be a little bit overkill. You may just need to have a handle on some basic, you know, general relationships between your ads and your conversions. But if you have a significant spin, then, you know, that's where you kind of need something a little bit more complex and you can't necessarily rely on the basic tools that are available with Facebook. Gotcha. That's great to know. Well, thank you for giving us the the primer, the set the foundation for this news that's happening. So we have been told that Facebook ads, which were previously set to a 28-day attribution, have now automatically reverted to a seven-day model. So uh, can you confirm, if is that what you're seeing? Did, have, have your campaigns automatically switched? I mean, I don't know if you had any that were set that long. So by default, if an advertiser changes nothing in their reporting, they will mm-hmm. see one day view, 28 day click as their attribution window in their campaign reporting. That is something I can't answer because I haven't looked. We build our reports a lot of times using other tools as mm-hmm. opposed to ad manager. And so when I ran the report yesterday, I still saw the 28 day data. That's how I was able to give you that information. So I don't really know on an account by account basis if any of them have switched on or off because I was able to get the data. There are rumors that Facebook is postponing that change. I haven't seen that confirmed. So let me say one more thing for clarity Mm -hmm. because it might come up with people who know a little bit more. There's the Facebook pixel and that is... Everyone knows about the pixel that's loaded in the browser and most of the issues with going from this 28-day to 7-day have to do with the inability of certain browsers to allow or just the rejection of of a third-party cookie longer than seven days. Mm -hmm. That's basically, and you covered that in the beginning. I think like last year, Facebook started rolling out what they call the conversion API. It used Mm -hmm. to be called the server-to-server pixel API. They're calling it the conversions API. So this was something anticipated by Facebook and the conversion API, I think you're going to see greater adoption of it once the barriers to getting it set up come down significantly such that your typical, you know, small business can integrate it. So that is Facebook's response to being able to get past the seven day third party cookie issue. But the adoption of the conversion API, you see more of it with really large advertisers, but it's a, it's a technical hurdle. Mm. So it hasn't really trickled down. You're starting to see like Shopify is starting to roll it out. Their integration is probably what I would call like, you know, a version one. It needs right. some more iterations before it gets to the level that people expect. So what you're seeing now is the fact that this, this seven day cookie issue is here. 
and there's going to be an immediate hindrance you know, for reporting. But then there's this other solution, the conversion API that's been around for some time. And as it gets increased adoption, then it'll compensate for that. So yes, the official announcement is the deadline for, you know, shifting to the seven day. And then there are rumors, you know, some people say they, I got it from my Facebook rep. I got it from this person. I got it from this person that they're postponing it until 2021. I haven't seen yet an official announcement that they're postponing it to 2021, but I have heard. (laughs) which is how we also heard about it as well you know we got it from an article and that's where we're so i really appreciate you going into that because we did have some questions in the comments here asking why they'd made this change i'm glad that you gave us that that information elaborated more because that is a big deal so whether or not this is rolling out now or later we know that it will roll out or if it hasn't already are there any other actions or any specific actions that advertisers creating campaigns today right now maybe next week what should they be making and what adjustments should they be making to their ad spend in light of this possible maybe happening maybe has happened Mm -hmm. right (laughs) so the important thing to remember is if you have access to your historical data export it so that you can have the reporting available while it's still available. Like, as I said, for most of the accounts that we have, I was still able to access the data. What you then can determine is what the shift between seven and 28 days looks like for your account. And if you can look back over time, you can see if that changes throughout the year, because some businesses have seasonal fluctuations. Um, That's important to know. Once you know that and you're armed with that data, some businesses, there was an account that I worked on a long time ago where their attribution window even extended beyond 28 days. That was That's very difficult. So what you then have to do is just recalibrate your expectations. So let's say your, your business is such that half of your, your conversions come within um, the seven-day window and the other half comes after that and most of them were picked up within 28 days well now you have to adjust how you're viewing the data because if you don't have that in mind and you're only able to see seven days in your reporting and you see certain cost per acquisition you might feel that that's unsuccessful because you can no longer adjust your reporting to get the full 28 day window where you would have seen the other 50 percent of those actions occur So it's more so about adjusting how you interpret the data once you understand the performance for what you're advertising and how it's performed historically over time. You don't necessarily go in and start saying, well, I'm going to start tinkering with things and changing budgets and changing settings. Like that's the wrong way to look at it. But a lot of the times the reason people think that they should do that is because they're confusing that that optimization window with that attribution window. And they're thinking that's the same thing and that's what they need to go and change, but they're not the same thing. So I think that if people are freaking out and they're saying, oh, no, this data is going to go away. What am I going to do? Well, get the historic data, have an understanding of how your account performs, feel confident that you have a good handle on what what your metrics look like over time and make intelligent decisions, you know, even with having some of that information possibly go away. 
Gotcha. Yeah. So let's let me get really super practical and tactical because mm-hmm. that's how I, th- I think. So um, let's say you, you and I and so I'm going to use an example. Let's say it's a, an automobile dealership because okay. I don't make like a impulse buy with a, a car. I just don't. So let's say you build a system designed to get customers to take action, you know, in the next 28 days and you're this automobile dealership. So how can you, you know, tighten your 28 day click through window to maybe seven days or shorter or should, and like how will retargeting campaigns work in that as well? I mean, I know, you know, you said it was a reporting thing. I mean, cause I know a lot of people watching this show have clients that, you know, they, there are dealerships out there and a lot of people watch that. So I guess there's kind of two parts to my question. One, how do you communicate this to your boss? I mean, to your client, like, Hey, this is kind of changing. These reportings are a little different. And two, is there anything you need to tweak like really tactically for people who have those really long, longer ones like you were mentioning longer cycles yeah so we're gonna take a little bit of a step back sure and a lot of times people go with i don't know default Mm -hmm. setup Mm -hmm. default integration and implementations and i think advertisers that have um, special business models or special use cases they have to take a step back and they look at the platform and they look at the tools available and they say Everybody else may be doing it this way, but with this set of tools, what makes the most sense for the way that our business works? Now, I'm going to make up some things about the process of buying a car that may be correct. It may not be. So I think that with most dealerships, I would presume that they're looking to get people's interest in a car and they're probably looking to get them set up for a test drive or Mm -hmm. I don't know how that's working right Right. now during a pandemic. they're, They're probably looking at some preliminary action. They're not thinking someone's going to see it at and say, shut up and take my money right um, right when they see it. So there's this, these steps. And I would presume that these steps are designed to um, bring people toward higher intent. Like they come in, take a test drive. Mm -hmm. And after they take a test drive, that's pretty serious. They fill out an application for uh, financing or something like that. That's a higher level commitment. So they're going down this path of finally completing the purchase. Okay. So we're all on the same page about that. When you look at Facebook and the platform and the tools that are available, what I would say to a client is, okay, we need to figure out if we can have a way of using these tools, whether they're online integrations like Pixels or Conversion API, offline conversions and integrations with CRM systems so that we can send these signals back to Facebook and kind of measure these events and see to what extent can we attribute them to the ad performance? It doesn't stop at the first thing. And for some advertisers for vehicles, it's like fill out this lead form to schedule a test drive. And then that's it. Right. That's all they're tracking. You can track those other interactions throughout the process. And once you do that, you kind of have the ability to get a handle on what that cost looks like as they go through the process. It's probably far cheaper to get someone to fill out the form for a test drive than it is to get them to show up because a lot of people drop off and then you go to fill out, you know, the financing form. So you can send all of this data back to Facebook so that you can get an idea of that reporting. Because if you are able to associate people early on and then you can integrate offline data, your CRM data, that doesn't have anything to do with the browser pixel in a a cookie. Mm -hmm. So the conversions API and these other methods of getting data to Facebook kind of, you know, they circumvent that issue. And so for an account being concerned about that, I would urge them to look at the other steps in that process 
to track them, to measure them, to report them, you know, get them back into the Facebook system so they can get some cost data associated with them. And then to think to think creatively to see if there are other ways to go from an ad to some other event to sort of keep that cycle of data coming back to Facebook so that they feel that they have enough handle enough of a handle on what they're able to drive in terms of action or revenue from their advertising. You ask another question about the retargeting and that's, that's a big issue. That's a big issue. I don't have a full answer for that. I know that quite a number of of my peers in the e-commerce space, they're moving to the conversions API just because they simply, they don't want that issue. They don't want to be worried about it. It's something that as you know, this is relatively, it's not new, but in terms of the adoption of technology, it's starting to get there. And I think, you know, after another month or two, you're going to see a lot more offerings like just plug and play offerings for Mm -hmm. tapping into the conversion API. And a lot of them, because they are worried about that, they don't want to get to a point to where they're, they're freaking out about the inability to effectively retarget because of the, the third party cookie limitations. Gotcha. Yeah. That was a great explanation. Thank you for breaking that down. I kind of threw an audible at you and look, you're just such a pro. You just went right with it. So we do have a good question from Sarah and she asked this, she goes, uh, uh, is this a specific to the U S or do the recommendations translate across borders since the platforms are worthwhile? So is this, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I just, (laughs) these, these technical issues are all, all over. So, yeah, the recommendations can be pretty consistent. There may be country specific things that I wouldn't be aware of. And it's not so much about the platform working differently because it works the same. It's more so about the the nature of business being a little bit different and how people, you know, because you have some some countries like we do a lot of credit card online transactions or some countries that don't. So right. there are little nuances like that. But other the technical stuff is the same across the board. Gotcha. Absolutely. And we have to, I want to make a note here. This is the default, right? So the seven days, the default. And what I'm hearing you say is that marketers, advertisers should be testing for their own platform, their own products, their own situations, right? I don't see, in my experience, the one day attribution being a good enough measure for a lot of of accounts. So I do think seven, it's like one of those things, I don't know the quiet way to, draw the graph but you know how you have that graph and it kind of goes like this and you see like most of the stuff happens here and so most of the actions happen between you know the one in seven day window but there are some businesses that do have a significant amount of stuff gotcha so what's too short that that bell curve right where like yeah bell curve yeah you've got your extreme no that's a really good insight Mm -hmm. so yeah and again this is the seven days and shorter so i don't know if you can get the shut up and take my money energy like that's that's strictly instagram right there (laughs) (laughs) or or even like webinar registrations right it doesn't take 28 days to figure out if you're gonna register for a webinar so that's an impulse driven action yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's a great, Absolutely. great examples. So, but wait, there's more. We have more news about uh, <laughs> some of this stuff that's going on. So Grace, break, uh, if you would tell us about this next part, you know, this is kind of, people are getting a little freaked out in the, in our industry because this is a big deal. This is a big deal considering how many people 
depend on WordPress right. for their website, right? So Facebook and Instagram have, are now dropping support for WordPress embeds. So if you've ever seen or ever tried to post a Facebook or an Instagram post, you know, there's an embed feature where it knocks out some code. And depending on what other plugins you have, you can copy and paste that post with the image and the text, the description, whatever you want, the video automatically appears on your website. It's been an easy way to report on things. It's definitely the way that, you know, we've reported on things when we used to write the news articles. So they have said that uh, WordPress has now been using the default O-embed or embed block feature, which you need to implement into this fix immediately. This is starting October 25th. You will no longer be able to automatically embed Facebook and Instagram content in a WordPress site using these default methods due to changes in the Facebook API. And, you know, we'll talk later about how to fix this issue, because again, this is a big deal. A lot of people use this kind of content within their own websites, right? right? So, you know, Facebook API is removing this update. It is, we've confirmed that it is a, it is Facebook and Instagram's change, not necessarily WordPress, but there is a fix. So they're saying that it's not supporting unauthenticated embeds. Can you tell us what this means? Like, what's the difference between authenticated and unauthenticated? Because it seems to me that if Facebook is kicking out the code and I copy that code and I put it on my website, it seems pretty darn authentic to me. Yeah. <laughs> what's at stake here? What's happening? Sure. So let's take a step back and look at how Facebook has changed over time. Mm-hmm. We all know they've been under fire for a few years and, you know, I don't know if you watched the Senate <laughs> hearings, but I did. Yeah. And uh, they were pretty interesting. So when you look at a platform, and, and I think Facebook is still a really young platform, and, and they're dealing with a lot of outside pressure and, and some valid critique about needing to change the way that they do things. Over time, Facebook has done a lot of things to authenticate how users or, you know, marketers, because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times... It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Are are using that platform. So you've seen a lot of things from like business verification to personal identity verification. You've seen changes for pages where they're trying to make sure that if a consumer sees something that it's from the organization that it claims to be from. And so what you see is that there are certain things that Facebook already has that allow them to monitor, to control, to get people to agree to things and to verify authenticity of their business or their personal self. And an app is one of the ways that Facebook can can execute that. So essentially that feature, because this has actually happened with a lot of other features, but because they don't affect, you know, a lot of content producers, they mostly affect developers. I don't think people have noticed, but a lot of features that used to be openly available without an app and without that type of authentication have been pulled from that and put under the app umbrella. And then you have to have an app ID, you know, all these other things, and you have to go through app review. So essentially this is, this is Facebook saying that, yeah, this used to be a free for all. Anyone can do this. And now we're pulling it back and putting it through a process we already have for validating who people are, their organizations and their usage of our platform. 
Gotcha. So, okay, we opened a can of worms. So we got a lot of good questions that come in. Um, no, you're good. No, it's, this is what we do it for. Um, so this is from Jan. She's asking this question. She goes, uh, so is the Facebook content going to disappear from my WordPress sites? I'm using a plugin. And um, so some other people are asking, like, you know, is this going to be retroactive? What is this? You know, is this going to affect anybody beyond Facebook users? So what if you have it on your site already? Is it going to stay on there? Or is yeah. it going to go away? You know, WordPress has a lot of plugins. I'm obviously not familiar with them all, but there are some that have already tackled this issue. And so there are two categories, as far as I know. There are plugins that themselves have the app ID and have undergone the scrutiny and the app review, and you can just use their plugin. Mm. And then there's another set of plugins that allow you to input your own app ID, probably an app ID and a token. I haven't gone through the actual setup. So there are two categories. There's a category of people who are going to use a third party because this technical hurdle is, um, you know, it's like, it's a lot. Yeah. You know, they're just blogging and they're just doing a few embeds. They don't want to be bothered with the whole app process. Mm -hmm. And then you have other content producers where they have, you know, a larger organization, more technical resources. And this is pretty important to them. So they're going to have an app or they already have an app and they're going to want to use their own app ID. But but yeah, you're either going to do one of those two or, you know. It's, it's not going to function. It's not yeah. going to work. Gotcha. So this is this is a question because, you know, we saw Twitter do this uh, before where they pulled their API and they mess with stuff and like programs that people loved and use all the time. The power users use it broke and they couldn't use it anymore. So why do you think Facebook is doing this? Is it is it a copyright issue or is it something with the code that they want to protect themselves with? Why do you think that Facebook is, you know, it's their API. They can do whatever they want with it. But why do you think they're doing this to end users? So. What I have seen, because I don't know the motivation, so I'm just speaking from what I've seen. What I have seen is, let's take a step back and say, what is involved in going through app review? It's complicated to people who've never done it, but it's not all that complicated. And it can seem, you know, like a technical hurdle. But it's, it's really not that hard. You don't actually need to have an app. But when you go through this process, you're, you know, you're setting up a Facebook developer account. Then you're associating that account with the business. You have to validate the business. You're associating that account with a person. You have to validate the identity of a person. And then you set up the app ID. You let Facebook know where it's being used, how it's being used. There, sometimes there are right. checkboxes. Sometimes you have to upload documentation. And then you request access to certain features in the API, you know, like that complicated to get. For example, if you're an advertiser and you want marketing API access to to deal with the accounts that you manage, Mm -hmm. that's kind of straightforward, right? right? But for other ones, you have to state your use case. Why do you need this data? What do you plan to do with it? And then there are certain permissions that to get them granted, you do have to substantiate them you know, pretty seriously, like what kind of data are you collecting from our users? How are you using it? This is Facebook's way of doing that. Gotcha. So from my perspective, when I see something that gets pulled from what I call like the free for all category right. and gets put under the app review process or the app category, to me, that signals that they want to have a greater handle on who's using it, how they're using it and having them authenticate and verify in 
you know, state their use case because probably because it's been misused. And, and as white hat marketers, we're not necessarily aware of all of the shady stuff that people right. do, but people do a lot of shady stuff that we don't know about. <laughs> That's a good point. So I want to just clarify, this is going out for WordPress users, but what about people who are like using Squarespace or Wix or something like that and another uh, kind of site? Is the whole API breaking or is it just the API for WordPress? Yeah, my understanding is this is across the board. It just hit the WordPress news first because WordPress is the most popular CMS. But also I do want to say, like, if you have a a organization and Facebook is a substantial part of your your strategy, it's not a bad idea to have an app. I usually, even on the e-commerce side, I usually tell people, like, once you have a six-figure spend on e-commerce, you should have an app Mm. because there are features that are only in the API that um, aren't in the user interface and some really cool ones. And sometimes they never get in the user interface or sometimes they take forever to get there. Mm -hmm. And so having an app and having API access does open some possibilities. So, you know, if you're a casual user of Facebook, a casual advertiser, it's not that big of a deal. But once it becomes an important part of your strategy, you should have an app. Okay. See, there you go, folks. That is worth the price of admission today right there, what Miracle just said. So mark that down. That's great information to know. So, yeah. And to clarify, that's a registered Facebook app, an app on Facebook. You're not going out to a third party to create a gaming app or whatever else, right? No, like, no, no, no. You, you actually don't have to have an app at all. It, it's yeah. just the technical jargon for, for setting yeah. up the stuff that it takes on the Facebook side to get developer access and to have an app ID and a token and all that stuff so that you can authenticate your API calls. So, yeah. Very cool. Cool. Awesome. Right, but, cool. but say, for example, you're going to use the conversions API. Like, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna need an app to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, Not it's about just it. stuff. Get you know, it, it just ends up being useful. Awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, Miracle, there you gave us tons of stuff. And now, now I want to go out and get an app just so I can say I have an app on Facebook. But thank you so much for all, breaking <laughs> it down. And before you go, I want to make sure that you uh, let people know where the best place is to find out about you and, yeah. you know, uh, your agency and all that kind of stuff. So where's the best place for people okay. to find out about you? So our agency is discoverymarketing.io. You can go there and sign up for uh, the very new newsletter. <laughs> we'll be sending out weekly tips. And if you have, like, questions, and, and you want to ask me something about something I just said, just find me on Facebook Messenger. I'm pretty responsive. Awesome. Well, awesome. Miracle, thank you so much for being here today. It was you. you did an awesome job. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Well, that was a lot. That was a deep dive into stuff. That was very, very cool. Oh my God. It was so technical. When I first saw this news, I was like, oh, I don't know. But she made it so oh, yeah. easy and accessible. And hopefully our audience yeah. got a lot out of that too. Because I learned a lot of stuff that a lot, there are a lot of insights I didn't have yeah. but yeah. we have other facebook news jeff want to hear about yeah, it yeah let us know <laughs> well she mentioned facebook messenger where you can ask her any of your questions so facebook messenger is actually getting a fresh look and a redesign and if you haven't seen your app lately it probably has a little colorful rainbow sprinkle on it right now to say hey look at me <laughs> so it has a more vibrant logo and has new default chat colors so if you didn't know that you can change the colors of your chat they also have additional chat themes such as love and tie die so it says the cool multicolor and then they also have some custom reactions so they launched this trailer this this video uh to talk about these changes and also some of the most recent changes that they've had so one of the latest update was this watch together feature that allows you to create little watch parties within messenger so you can watch things with your friends and within messenger and then chat with each other about it 
super fun dark mode which yes, that's what is I'm easy on the battery and easy on the eyes you know but related to this news we talked about this i think last week or two weeks ago jeff it was the ability for cross-app chatting for instagram users so if you may recall mm-hmm. instagram added 10 new messenger inspired features within their direct messaging feature there was a lot of cool different things and then they also messenger is also now powering conversations on portal and soon to come to the oculus so i got a message on my oculus grace so watch out i'm gonna start messaging you, you on yours oh yeah. you'll probably be messaging my 14 year old because that's who's invested <laughs> who's on this time yes. in it actually yes. yep cool. so anyway facebook says that this fresh look is a weather bell of their shift in the future they focused on messaging that word that i've been practicing for the last two or three years, interoperability. Uh, So all of their uh, messaging features are all tying together. So, but this is dynamic. It's fun. It's a fun little change. It's a great way to hang out with your favorite people or maybe not so favorite people. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you message. So, (laughs) but uh, anyway, people look for this change in your messenger. Yep. And so it's starting to integrate together. So very, very cool. Thanks for that, Grace. And by the way, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you for Miracle for uh, breaking down all those changes, which could, it made my brain hurt a little bit when I first read the news and I'm glad she was here to break it down and make it easier for us to understand. But if you want to know something else that's easy to understand, you need to understand that you need to come to uh, this webinar that Mr. Stelzner, our founder and CEO is doing. Uh, If you're wondering uh, how to become an industry expert and how it can help your business. And when you become an expert, you know, we talked about at the start of the show, it helps you prepare for your future. You have people lining up to do business with you because they know who you are. And if you need a plan that empowers you, especially during these times that we're in right now, you need to come join our founder, Michael Stelzner, for a free live training called Becoming the Recognized Expert, Three Secrets to Accelerating Business Growth. Did I mention it was free? It's a free live training with Mr. Michael Stelzner. And when you show up live, you get this free resource. It's an awesome resource called The Seven Biggest Barriers to Becoming Well-Known and How to Overcome Them. You need to show up live to get that resource. So make sure you register at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash free class. That's socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash free class. Sign up, get that free resource. And this is a, it's like I said, it's totally free. Come uh, listen and learn from our founder and CEO, Michael Stelzner. And with that, that is our show. You know, we'd love for you guys to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We have new episodes that are publishing every Saturday. Love for you guys to leave a rating and review review that helps us out a ton and our next show is on friday october 23rd at 10 a.m pacific 1 p.m eastern and you can always find us on facebook linkedin and youtube and wherever you are you can find out what we'll be talking about on our weekly show calendar you can find it at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash live show see you guys at our next show Yes, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jeff, for being a great host. And thank you to our guest, Miracle Wanzo, for giving us all of this insight, all this information. Like Jeff said, when we first looked at the news, we were like, I don't know. So I'm really glad that we had an authentic and real expert on the show today to break it all down for you. See you guys next week. Be safe. Talk to you later. Bye now. Bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.